All right, brethren, if you will, let's turn back to Genesis. <clears throat> Genesis 25. Brother Thomas couldn't be with us. He's down on his back pretty bad and has been. Uh, hopefully, he goes back for some more, another visit uh, tomorrow. And hopefully, I'll get him, get him walking. I told him not to come out of bed all weekend. And that sounds real good for that first day. <laughs> it's awful. Stir crazy after that. So remember him as you can. Mike and Karen's made it fine to Texas and uh, should be going to the conference there in Louisville, Arkansas. Brother Darwin Pruitt's pastor. And I know uh, John Chapman and Paul Mahan's scheduled to preach there. I think they've got four other ones. I have six people preach. And uh, I hope they're, they'll be a blessing to that congregation and it'll be a blessing for them. I'm thankful for that. And then uh, I haven't heard from Brother Mark and Gwen, but if anybody gets word, shoot me a text, let me know. I'll pray for them. Genesis 25, verse 19. And these are the generations of Isaac. Genesis 25, 19. And these are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham begat Isaac. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah to wife, the daughter of Bethuel, the Syrian of Pan, <coughs> Padnaram, the sister of Laban, the Syrian. And Isaac entreated the Lord for his wife because she was barren. And the Lord was entreated of him. He heard him. And Rebekah, his wife, conceived. We don't know when Isaac began praying for Rebekah. Likely it was every day. From the moment he saw her coming down off of her camel, when Eleazar brought her to him, from that moment on, he said, that's her. And he prayed for her. Lord, put life in her. Lord, put life in her. Lord, put life in her. But they were married about 19 years before Rebecca conceived. Oh, to wait on the Lord. Oh, to wait on the Lord. I don't. I'm impatient. <laughs> I've said before, I don't, like, I don't like waiting at stop sign. <laughs> oh, if I could wait on Him. Consistently pray for life and those I love for decades. Instead of expecting something and being frustrated when it don't happen. I want some of you to live. And foolishly, I get frustrated that you don't. It's God's time, and if He's so displeased to make give you life, I hope He makes you live. But I wish I could wait on Him. What a wonderful example! But a picture of Christ, Isaac, was in this portion entreating the Lord for his bride because she was barren; she can't have life to herself. He gave life. Verse 22 says, And the children struggled within her. And she said, If it be so. If this is life. Nobody ever seen twins before. Maybe this is two demons fighting in her. Nobody ever seen twins before. Maybe this is, this is cancer that's growing so fast it's moving. No one knows. You didn't have ultrasound. And there wasn't these brilliant midwives that know everything about birth and children. There ain't been that many children on earth. <laughs> that ought to come with a warning. Uh, but she said, If it be so. If it be so, if I have life in me, why am I thus? And she went to inquire of the Lord. 
I've been believing on God for 25 years. I'm His. I believe the truth. I say sometimes. I say sometimes. Most of the day. My experience and the children of God that I speak with, most of the day, I say, if I have life in me, if I'm His preacher, if I'm His child, if I'm one of God's elect, I don't see how I could be because there's just war going on. <laughs> it's fighting and struggling 24-7. Why am I this way? If the Lord's put away my sin, why does all I see is my sin? And the Lord, she went and inquired of the Lord because that's where you go. Because <laughs> she knew Him. And He answered. <laughs> Isaac inquired of the Lord and the Lord was entreated of him. Rebecca asked the Lord, why am I thus? If, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I am, if i got life in me, why am I thus? And he answered. It said in verse 23, The Lord said unto her, Two nations are in thy womb, and two manner of people shall be separated from thy bowels. The one people shall be stronger than the other people, and the elder shall serve the younger. Now she's going to remember that. When God teaches His children, remember. If I teach, you'll forget it. I pray God teaches when he teaches, you'll remember. She's going to remember that. Can you set that down? I'm sorry. I hate to do that. Can you please put the paper down? It's going to have to stop. Isaac, who all of the father's blessings were given to. Abraham gave all to him. All given to the son. He patiently waited 40 years for a bride. 40 years. You think, you men, you think somewhere in 40 years you might want a bride? <laughs> you would, wouldn't you? He didn't gripe. He didn't complain. He waited patiently for 40 years for his bride to be given. Patiently expecting life to be put in Rebecca for 19 years. 19 more. He's 59 years old. This whole time waiting. Praying the Lord and treating the Lord. Our Lord waits patiently now for his bride to be gathered. Do you know that? Right now our Lord waits patiently. Entreating the Father for His bride that doesn't have life in her yet. We read that in Hebrews 10. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting, from henceforth expecting, knowing the Holy Spirit's going to call out His people. He's just waiting patiently. Expecting His bride to come till His enemies be made His footstool. Till this world's over. Till this death is done. Till this sin is completely abolished. Till that last one's called home. He's just expecting. Oh, if I could expect. I have high expectations most times. I ought to have high expectations all the time. <laughs> the Lord's going to do it. And if He don't, it wasn't meant to be done. I, sh I should expect that not to happen. He didn't do it. Verse 24 says, And when her days to be delivered were fulfilled, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. What's Adam's name? Red earth. First one came out red all over like a hairy garment and called his name Esau. What this signifies, many of the writers have wrote about, he looked like he's full grown when he come out. He looked like a, a grown man. He's hairy all over. His shoulders are hairy. And he's red and looks like he just come in from the cold. The strapping young fellow, the athlete his whole life, strong, hard working man. But he come into this world looking like a man. Hairy, full grown looking. 
Not the size, but his body. What's that mean? We come into this world speaking lies. Full grown in Adam. In our redness, don't we? Nobody taught, taught us how to lie. Nobody taught us how to cheat. Nobody taught us how to take somebody else's toys. Little babies, if they could hold a knife, they'd cut your throat. <laughs> that's who we are. We come forth into this world full grown in sin. And that's the first one we come in. This old man, and boy, it gets stronger by the day, don't it? And after that, verse 26, came his brother out, and his hand took hold of Esau's heel. And his name was called Jacob. And Isaac was threescore years old when she buried him. He was 60 years old. And the boys grew, and Esau was a cunning hunter. There's two men in Scriptures that are called a hunter. It's important. Two men in Scriptures are called a hunter. Nimrod and Esau. I know a bunch of hunters. I've hunted quite a bit. Does that mean, does that mean I'm bad? Oh, that means I'm plenty bad, yes. But they're described as hunters. That's what they're called. A man of the field. You know, to be a hunter, you have to deceive. I thought that's the first thing I thought of. I wrote that down a couple of weeks ago. You have to deceive to be a hunter. You have to go out and you have to hide. Or you have to camouflage up or, or look like you're a, another animal. You have to do something. Get up in a tree. Be real quiet. Make sure whatever you're shooting is real quiet. It takes a lot of effort, a lot of planning to be that deceitful. We don't look at it that way, do we? Most of the people here, the, the interpretation of hunter is one that made it for sport. It wasn't just that Esau was going out and had to get some venison because they had to eat. He liked it. He liked the deception. He liked killing. He liked taking a life. He enjoyed the shedding of blood. But he was a hunter, man of the field. And Jacob was plain. He was a plain man, dwelling in tents. That means a righteous man. He was one of the lords. He dwelt in tents. This, was a, this wasn't his passion on this earth. This world was not his home. He was traveling through, just like Abraham. Wealthy, wealthy man. Increased greatly by the Lord temporally. He lived in a tent. I wish I could live in a tent. Haggai had, had something to say about that, didn't he? And Isaac loved Esau because he did eat of his venison, but Rebekah loved Jacob. She loved Jacob. Why do you think so? Because she believed God. And God said the elder's going to serve the younger. And she said, that's it. He's the younger. That's God's man. He said so. That's who I'm clinging to. She believed God. She entreated the Lord. Why was she thus? Didn't she? She's a child of God. And God said, that's my child. <laughs> And she clove to him. Sheep are a herd animal. They gotta be together. They flock together, don't they? She loved Jacob. Why did Isaac love Esau? I thought I said that Isaac was a picture of Christ. Well, he was. But Isaac's just a man, isn't he? Christ was the only perfect picture of Christ. We need to learn that. Abraham's been a picture of Christ throughout the Genesis. We've been looking over and over and over again. And there's a whole lot of times he's an anti-type, isn't he? He's a type of Christ and he's an anti-type. He's both. He's a man. But Isaac loved Esau. He loved the athlete. It was the jock. It was the strong one. He carried the most firewood and capable. And he caught the fish first cast and got the venison. First time he went out, he brought meat home every day. I like that boy. And he's probably kind and wise and 
and showed up on time, ate his bed. He's a good boy. Isaac loved him, but Rebekah, she loved Jacob. It says in verse 29, And Jacob sawed pottage, made him a bowl of beans, didn't he? And Esau came in from the field, and he was faint. And Esau said to Jacob, Feed me, I pray thee, that same red pottage, for I am faint. Therefore was his name called Edom. Every time we come in from this world, this field, we're faint, aren't we? And Jacob said, Sell me this day thy birthright. You hungry? Give me your birthright. You serve me. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? He saw the death of this world. That was a doctrinal fact, wasn't it? That he wanted the temporal blessings of this world. We're all going to die. Sane humans know that. We have an end. And he said, you know what? I don't care about this birthright stuff. I just want a bowl of beans. I'm hungry. I'm going to die if I don't eat the beans. I need it. No, he didn't, did he? And Jacob said, verse 33, Swear to me this day. And he swore to him. And he sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. And he did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thank you. That was good. I'm refreshed. I can walk plenty now. I'm going to go my way. He went his way. There's a way to man that seems right. The end's destruction. He went his way, colon, thus Esau despised his birthright. The birthright is what God set forth. It's important. We don't think so, do we? We consider very little of a birthright. The one that came forth from the womb first, it's important. And we think so little of it. And I wondered too, I was driving the other day and I thought, man, you think 30, 35 years, you see a pillar leading Israel by night through the desert. How long do you have to walk behind that 40 years before you say, oh, that's a pillar. That's miraculous. That's a sign of Almighty God in the heavens leading His people through this barren wasteland. How long would I get, how many days would it take for me to get complacent? Like, oh yeah, I see that. And then not even look. Like Isaac was a faithful man. Rebecca was a faithful mother. Esau had been taught of his birthright and what that meant. And he despised it. He despised it. Turn over to Exodus 13. The Lord's mentioned it. I just picked out a few verses. Uh, and it's kind of hard to narrow them down. But I want you to get the picture up and to see it. Uh, the Lord's throughout the scriptures consistent on this. And mentions it often. Exodus 13 verse 2. Sanctify unto me. Set apart unto me. Return unto me. Like Hannah did Samuel. Sanctify unto me all the firstborn. Whatsoever openeth the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, it is mine. Now who is the firstborn? It's the Lord's. Isn't it? Exodus 22. A few pages there. Exodus 22, verse 29. 
Lord said of the children of Israel and of the beasts of the fields, it's mine. Now, Exodus 22, verse 29, Thou shalt not delay, you do it quickly, to offer the first of thy ripe fruits and of thy liquors. The firstborn of thy sons shalt thou give unto me. Likewise shalt thou do with thine oxen and with thy sheep seven days it shall be with the dame. On the eighth day thou shalt give it to me. It's going to be mine. Is that literally the firstborns that come out of the Lord's and them alone? Well, we all are His possession, aren't we? The children of men, everything the Lord owns. So yes and no, but He's no respecter of persons, is He? My children going to be saved because one was born first than the other one? Is that what it is? No, He's not a respecter of persons. But the firstborn shall be His because He's greatly honored the firstborn. The Lord Jesus Christ is the firstborn among many brethren, isn't He? And His sheep are united with Him. Firstborn is important. It typifies and shows Christ the firstborn. And not just Him, not just this is fact and this is just a good story. That's His people. Turn back to Exodus chapter 4. I thought of Nicodemus when the Lord said, you must be born again. Well, in this body, the new life that's in me, it's the first new life that's been in me. <laughs> I'm the firstborn, ain't I? End of Exodus chapter 4, verse 21. And the Lord said unto Moses, When thou goest to return into Egypt, see that thou do all those wonders before Pharaoh, which I have put in thy hand. But I will harden his heart, that he shall not let the people go. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, my firstborn. Is, is he talking about Jacob? or No, he's talking about Israel, his people. That physical people that was there, the 2 million, 3 million, 4 million, however many people they was. He said, you go tell, tell Pharaoh, you see that whole mess of people? That's my son. The girls and the boys and the men. <laughs> That's my son. That's my firstborn. Let him go. Pharaoh's going to scratch his head, but you say it. That's what he told, told Moses. And I say unto thee, let my son go, verse 23, that he may serve me. And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. If the Lord don't put a new man in us, his firstborn in us, that new creation, that holy Israel, that serves him, that firstborn in this body that's the old man, it's going to die. It's going to be cast into damnation forever. Hebrew writer told us, he said, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written in the heavens. Throughout the revelations, we're called the firstborn. Christ's firstborn. And His church, His body is the firstborn. Because we're one with Him. Who's the head of this church? Esau was physically the firstborn, which is a picture of the, that firstborn's a picture of the church. Well, if you got something, there's going to be a head to it. Our Lord came, His mom and dad, Mary brought Him the days of purification were over with her and they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord he opened the womb as it's written in the law of the Lord every male that opened the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which was said in the law of the Lord a pair of turtle doves and two young pigeons 
This one that's required all throughout these laws is Mosaic laws. Christ was born first as the God-man. And when He came into this earth, they went and offered sacrifices. <laughs> they returned Him to the Lord, took Him to the temple. In those days, the purification was over. And He's the firstborn among many brethren. That's what Paul told us in Romans 8. For whom He did foreknow, He also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of His Son, that He might be the firstborn among many brethren. And that firstborn is important because it receives double. Double. We read in Deuteronomy 21, He shall acknowledge the son of the hated of the firstborn by giving him a double portion of all that he hath. For he is the beginning of his strength. The right of the firstborn is his. Who's the right of the firstborn? The one that was born first. Who has preeminence in all things? Christ does. He's the firstborn among many brethren. Those that are made one with Him, that church, that spiritual Israel that He says is His firstborn as well because He's our head. He receives double. We receive double. Do you know that? That's good news. That's all good news. <laughs> I'm laboring His firstborn thing, but I'm telling you, there's good news with this. If we're in Him, speak comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned, and she has received of the Lord's hand Double for all her sin. Firstborn has to receive double. You're the firstborn. If you weren't him, you're one with him. Now back in our text are in Genesis 25. Genesis 25 verse 32. And Esau said, Behold, I'm at the point to die. And what profit shall this birthright do to me? What good is this going to do me? And Jacob said, Swear to me this day. And he did swear unto him and sold his birthright unto Jacob. Then Jacob gave Esau bread and pottage of lentils. He did eat and drink and rose up and went his way. Thus, in eating it and drinking it and rising up and going his way, thus Esau despised his birthright. Well, this, this is just a dispute between... Brothers, isn't it? I'd imagine somewhere in a Skiffington household, one time, two brothers got into it. Once or twice, huh? I think in the Thacker household, there might have been one or two scuffles or disagreements or words that were said that weren't really meant or words you might have said you didn't know would be hurtful or wrong. That's just, that's just a, a brother's disagreeing. They was just in there in the kitchen talking, wasn't it? God says he despised his birthright. Well, it don't seem like he's despised. Mankind, if they're not bowing to Christ's feet, they're at war with him. Well, now they don't hate God. Yes, they do. God says so. I did. I hated God when I was sitting in a pew listening to the same gospel you're listening to. I thought I was right. I had my doctrines all sorted out. Argue them tooth and toenail with anybody that the school would let me. And God saved me. And saw what a glory thief I was and what a, a, a wretch. And I had no understanding. He revealed Christ in me. Oh, what a day that was. Esau despised his birthright. You know what that means? He despised the birthright of promise. The birthright that's declared throughout the Word of God. He despised that. He hated it. The birthright of possession. God gave life to every man, didn't He? They don't like that. We do that. 
No, God gives life to all people. God gives life to plants. You ever tried to grow a tomato plant that wouldn't grow and get mad? God gives life. We despised his, the birthright. We despised His way. The birthright, that was also the spiritual blessing. The head of the house is who the firstborn was. And that before the Arianic priesthood came about, before we had the Levitical law, and the responsibility of leading the house, the responsibility of spiritually leading the household, it fell on the firstborn. That's who it was. When Isaac died, it's all on Esau's shoulders. And so you need to learn something before you take over, son. <laughs> you have to obey and pay attention. Take some notes. Lord's going to have to teach you some things before you can go running things. And he said, I don't care about that. I hate it. Natural man hates what God establishes. Isn't that right? I thought about in the home. We went through there in Ephesians and Galatians. Paul gives us instructions. Wives, submit to your own husbands as until you submit to the Lord. That's a hard thing to do. Especially in this day and age. That's a hard thing to do. But that, people harp on that, don't they? Oh, yeah. Well, they forget half of it. Husbands, you lay down your life for the bride. You give your life like Christ gave His life for the church. That's hard. Nowadays, men want the woman to work to support the household and the woman to govern everything. That's hard, isn't it? In the church, that's in the home. What about in the church? Paul said, wives, submit to your own husbands. I've experienced this. God gave me a pastor. Me. I sat under him. I quit listening to other ones, and I sat under him. And I was going to make a decision one time, and I knew what he's going to say, and I thought, I think that other one, it's a different area, a different culture kind of, they'd be supportive. If you want a yes, you'll find one. You hear me? If you're looking for a yes, you're going to find it. That's what you're going to do. You're going to go in the Scriptures and find some justification for whatever foolish thought you have. You, you'll find something. that You might move some commas around. You'll find a yes if you're looking for one. Paul said, wives, submit to your own husbands. And he said, I'm not talking about husbands and wives. I'm talking about Christ and His church. Listen to the man God gave you. And those pastors, me, <laughs> I experienced that as a congregate, <laughs> as a pastor, i got to lay down my life for my bride. You that's been given to me. Lay down my wants, my desires, my feelings and feed the sheep that God gave me. He's put under my charge for a little bit. That's hard. That's hard. It's hard for you to just listen to me and do what I say. It's hard for me to lay down my life for you. It's hard in the home, isn't it? And the church throughout time, bow to the Lord. That's That's... If I, if I was preaching 2,000 years ago, 6,000 years ago, or if I'm preaching 6,000 years from now, or I'm pre- right now, is today, today's the day of salvation, you hear me. Bow to the Lord. Trust Him in all things. Whatever's happening is right. I'm sick as a dog right now. Lord gave that. Thank you, Lord. That's good. Amen. <laughs> That's hard. Is it hard for you? It's hard for the Lord's people, isn't it? Easy in planning, it's hard in execution. Christ is our firstborn, our representative. He's the rightful heir of the birthright. Come to Him. He's, it's all been laid on His shoulders. Just submit to Him. Surrender to Him. And everything's going to be fine. <laughs> He's not an evil firstborn, corrupt firstborn like Esau. And like that first Adam. It's the second Adam. He's worthy. He's able. Bow to Him.
He's the firstborn. Turn to Colossians chapter 1. This birthright means that they receive double. The firstborn receives double. They receive the spiritual blessing. They're in charge of that home. But it also represents redemption. Redemption of sin. Esau and all of us, we're born of Adam. We despise the sole redemption of the firstborn. That if anybody's going to be redeemed, he's going to have to do it. Nobody else. And being redeemed from death, saved from the grave, he's going to have to do it. He's going to have to go into it first. Christ was the Father's firstborn. He's the God-man. And he was the firstborn of Mary, wasn't he? He broke the matrix. Lord said in Numbers 18, Everything that openeth the matrix in all flesh, which they bring unto the Lord, whether it's of men of beasts, shall be thine. Nevertheless, the firstborn of man shalt thou surely redeem. Isn't that what we read this morning in Psalm 26? Lord, redeem me. Redeem me. The Lord said, I shall, That firstborn shall be redeemed. And those attached to him. Here in Colossians 1, verse 14. In whom we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins, who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature. For by Him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for Him. He's the firstborn. And He is before all things. And by Him all things consist. He is the head of the body. The church that He's one with. Israel, His firstborn. Who is the beginning. The firstborn from the dead. Well, He's the firstborn of every creature. He's the firstborn among many brethren. But He's the firstborn from the dead. Yes. Yes. He's risen. He's risen. His body has come up out of the grave. There's, all believers, whenever, to be absent from this body is to be present with the Lord. Well, you're absent from the body. He is, you're going to die, and if He has turned, you're going to get your new body later. <laughs> He's risen. Spirit and body. He's firstborn from the dead. So what worries do I have to have with that? I'll have questions, comments, and concerns, I'm sure, as that day approaches. But the Lord's done it. You that are close to dying... The Lord's risen from the grave. He's risen from the dead. Don't you worry about that. He's the firstborn. He'll take care of you. That's your elder brother. That in all things he might have the preeminence. Verse 19. For it pleased the Father that in him should all fullness dwell. And having made peace through the blood of his cross. By him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say whether there be things in earth or things in heaven. And you that were sometimes alienated. And enemies in your mind by wicked works. You that despise the birthright. You that hated God. That's how you come into this world red like Esau, full grown in line. You hated God. Now hath He reconciled. Now He's brought you back. And the body of His flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in His sight. If you continue... In the faith grounded and settled, and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel, which you've heard, and which was preached to every creature which is under heaven, whereof I, Paul, am made a minister. 
All I got to do is tell you what God said. In a sense, I got the easiest job on earth. Thus saith the Lord. Esau despised his birthright. He hated the way God set things up. Didn't want it that way. He'd rather have a bowl of lentils. Mankind hates the way the Lord has established his salvation through his son. And I say salvations of his son. <laughs> Come to me. And those that say amen, I say, well, the Lord reconciled you to him. He did the work. And you say, that's right. And say, let's thank you. Let's praise him. Give the sacrifice of our lips. Turn over to Exodus chapter 12. I'll bring it to a close. Exodus 12. What's going to happen in Providence? For those that was in Esau and Jacob's time, what's going to come about through the Scriptures that's going to show how important this birthright is? How important this firstborn is? This is proclaimed in the killing of the firstborn in Egypt. Exodus 12, verse 12. The Lord said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt will I execute judgment. I am the Lord. And the blood shall be to you for a token. A token. It's just a picture. The Passover is a token. He said that when your children ask you, why are you doing this? Sit down, son, I'm going to tell you. Here's what the Lord did for His people. Here's what the firstborn, the el our elder brother, Christ, the one who receives double, He receives everything. The faithful son. Here's what He received. Here's what He did. This is a token. When I see the blood, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I'll pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. Lord's dealing only with the head, with the firstborn. You get that? He deals with the representative of the family, the spiritual representative of the family. That's the only one He deals with. He deals with the firstborn. If you was secondborn, or you was thirdborn, or you was tenthborn, go out in the street and play. Ain't going to bother you one bit in the world. The Lord ain't dealing with you. He's dealing with the head. He's dealing with the firstborn, the rightful heir. And when he dealt with those, he said, I see the blood, I'll pass over you. The Egyptians that believed, if the Lord gave life to an Egyptian, you know they could have went in one of them homes and their firstborns would have lived. The Lord saw the blood, not the nationality. You get that? Oh, if we could get into that. The Lord saw the payment, not what it paid for you get that? Christ came with His eyes set on His, his, his bride. The Father saw the payment and was satisfied. All the sins has been blotted out. Lord, don't look on that. How quick am I to look down my nose and judge somebody else? I can't believe they would do such a thing. I would never. Oh, yes, I would. And who am I to condemn someone that's God justified? He's made them holy. Just love them and go on. Huh? It's hard to do. Just like all those other things the Lord's established. It's hard. It's hard for this old man to do. The Egyptians, that did, if they did go in, you know what they're called? Israel. <laughs> but you weren't born to 12 tribes. No, they're Israel now, ain't they? They're the body. They're one with their head. The one that died for them. The one that represented them. You know? Back in our text here in Genesis 27. 
Verse 34 says, Just like in Egypt, when the Lord came through and smiled all the firstborn, boy, that was weeping and gnashing of teeth, wasn't it? There'll come a day, I pray it's in this lifetime, there'll come a day when men will desire things the way God determined them. There'll come a day those outside the boat don't want to get in the boat. There'll come a day when reality sets in, and I, I pray for every, every, every man, woman, and child on this earth that he'll be in this lifetime, not in the next. There'll come a day when those knees will bow. Verse 34, Genesis 27, 34. And when Esau heard the words of his father, this is after he Jacob put on that coat to feel like Esau. I missed a whole lot of my notes here. I'm sorry. Jacob put on that coat to receive the blessing of his father from Isaac. And he pretended Isaac couldn't see he's blind. And Esau was supposed to get it, but he was out working. <laughs> Jacob come in. He felt him and he blessed Jacob. And he said, now that I'm blessed, I can't undo it. And Esau pleaded with his father and he said, nope. Whenever I'm blessed, that's it. Now Isaac was deceived. Our, our father's not deceived. We're robed in Christ's righteousness and it's ours. Given to us. We're made His righteousness. And once He's blessed His people, there's no undoing it. You get that? The blessed man we looked at there in the Psalms. Once He's blessed somebody, you don't feel like it. It don't matter what you feel like. If He's pleased to bless you, you're blessed. It can't be undone. But Esau pleads. And when Esau heard the words of his father, verse 34, he cried with a great and exceeding bitter cry and said unto his father, Bless me, even me also, O my father. Lord, you bless me. Isaac said, I can't. It's done. The work's finished. Our Hebrew writer told us of Esau, he said, For you know how that afterward, when he would have inherited the blessing, he was rejected. For he found no place of repentance, though he sought it carefully with tears. Boy, there was lots of waterworks flowing out of them eyes. It was careful. It was intense. He did an exceedingly bitter cry. But what was he looking for? He wanted a temporal blessing. You mean I ain't going to get twice the amount of land of him? <laughs> he wanted a, a benefit. It was features and benefits. Do you know, that's common throughout man. Any person that's not just completely insane doesn't want to go to hell. Do they? Everybody wants to go to heaven. Everybody wants freed from the law. No, well, I, I don't know about all that. Yeah, get you a Porsche and you want them to take all the speed limit signs down on I-5, won't you? <laughs> I, want free, I don't want to get no tickets. Do you like getting tickets? A fool wants to be freed from the law. A fool wants to go to heaven. This fool Esau, he wanted the double. Give me twice as much. Please. <laughs> I want it. You said he's going to die and it didn't matter a little while ago, didn't you, Esau? He cried bitterly. But he didn't want the person. He wanted the benefits. Scripture says, seek him while he may be found. Not seek heaven, not seek... Uh, carnal benefit and not seek health and wealth and also seek Christ while He may be found. Today is the day of salvation. I'm tickled to death. I've said it to you a hundred times. I'm glad Fred did too. I thanked him for it. Uh, yesterday's 
mercy and grace and benefit ain't going to do me no good today. The Lord was gracious to me a long time ago. I need grace today. I need, I need to see His love for His people today. I need to see the salvation accomplished today. I need comfort in Him today. Today's the day of salvation. And I may not live till tomorrow. Tomorrow ain't promised. I ain't working tomorrow. Future Kevin can worry about that. <laughs> I'm only present Kevin right now. I need mercy today. There'll come a time, just like for Esau, there'll be gnashing of teeth. There was a time in Noah's day they'll preach righteousness, get in the ark, and then the Lord shut the ark up. But there's claw marks all over that side of that thing. Our Lord gave us a parable in Luke 13. He said, when once the master of the house has risen up and has shut to the door, and ye began to stand without and knock on the door saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. He said that same parable. We know you. We saw you in the street. We saw you over here. We went to the right churches. We did everything. He shall answer and say unto you, I know not whence ye are. Oh, to be known of God. That's what's important. I'm, I know the Lord now. The Lord may take my mind from me. I know He's able. He may take my mind that knows He's able. And I may not know my own name, much less His, but it doesn't matter what I think, it matters what He thinks. And if He knows me, what time I have the mind He's given, it'll know Him too. <laughs> It'll be hopscotch, just little blips here and there. Lots of valleys, few mountaintops, and lots of waves and ups and downs. But I know him because he knew me. And I love him because he first loved me. And I'll be in him. This is the Lord's way. That's his design. He's the firstborn. All dealing's going to be by him. Or you're going to be left to your own. And there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. The door's open. Bow to Christ, our elder brother, the firstborn. Among many brethren. He's the door. <laughs> I'm the door. That's Him. He's everything. Bow to Him and live. Live. That's my job. You know that? I'm supposed to look to eternity bound men and women. Look them dead in the eye. Just like that prophet. <laughs> live. Live. I can't make nothing live. I can't make my own stand up and dance. I could probably do a little bit of that. Give me some strength. God has breath in him. He's going to do it. And as long as he sustains me, I'm going to stand on behind two legs. I'm going to scream, live. Look to our firstborn, our elder brother, who we've been made one with. He's worthy. Amen. All right. I was about to go sit down. We got another song to sing, don't we?